Alex Jones has actually said the Robert citizens are a bunch of nuts. And if Alex Jones thinks you're a nut, you're way out in left field. Stay tuned. another installment of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer, and with me is, uh, I'm just going to call you uh, Derek, or you also go by the uh, name Skeptical Esquire on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe message board, is that correct? That is me. Okay, and uh, we're, we're not telling your whole name. It's much like sort of Nigel St. Whitehall. Uh, <laughs> you are, a, uh, I, I can say, your profession? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. You're you're sort of a, a lawyer in the city you live in. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're a lawyer in, in Calgary, but uh, obviously you don't want to use your last name because maybe clients or things. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Discretion okay. is the better part of valor, as they Indeed say. It is. All right. So you so you're in uh, you're in Calgary, as I mentioned, Calgary, Alberta. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. And for, I guess, sort of our American listeners and people, it's like not everybody's like always like, gosh, I wonder what's happening in Canada. So <laughs> it's not it's not that I'm saying you people are all stupid. I'm just saying I don't blame you. It's not like people are going, wow, what could possibly be happening in Canada of worth noting? I better I better check CNN. Yep, still there. No, uh, <laughs> Alberta, that's sort of uh, what we call a western province. We divide our, we kind of pretty much divide Canada, right? Eastern Canada and Western Canada. And uh, so Alberta, so, and that's sort of our, our oil patch, right? It's like it's like our Texas, kind of. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Texas North, similar politics, and the same resources. Exactly. And you, you wear cowboy boots there, don't you? Do you own cowboy boots? I do own cowboy boots, actually. I'm uh, I'm happy to say uh, we wear them exactly one week a year here, which is the same time that our uh, our blue jeans come out and our cowboy hats come out for a stampede, of course. Right. The famous Calgary Stampede. Or infamous. Okay. And is that, that's just, that's like a week-long drunk, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but it's kind of stretching into almost two weeks. You've got the pre-drinking, okay. then you have the hardcore drinking of the week of Stampede, and then there's sort of a detox where you don't <laughs> want to come down completely. You sort of have to ease out for about another three or four days. Okay, yeah. And and it's not like, you know, Budweiser and throw the empty cans in the air and shotgun. I mean, this is like champagne breakfasts and stuff like that, No. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I just realized that the bumping you're hearing is my coffee cup. I'll, I'll try to stay away from it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, yeah, we, we totally re-engineered your whole microphone. And <laughs> All right. Before, but yeah, before we started recording. All right. So, yeah, so, so Calgary. Um, anything else you want to say about, about Calgary or – well, I've only lived here six months, and I was led to believe that it would be warmer than the city I was living in beforehand, which was Edmonton, mm-hmm. and that uh, we had these wonderful Chinooks that come in off the mountains, and uh, it's uh, it's covered in snow, and it's freezing here, so uh, I got gypped. We, we are recording this beginning of November, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, I guess I really can't complain, can I? Better than flooding, right? 
Well, yeah, better than flooding. And, and and last weekend I was actually in your glorious city of Toronto just in time for uh, for Sandy. Oh, so lots of rain. Yeah, but uh, you know, still better than snow. Do you find yourself in Toronto often? No, you know what? I'm embarrassed to say that my brother has lived there ten years, and I finally got around to going to visit him. Uh, oh, okay. So it's more important to see your brother than check in on me. No, that's fine. This is true. <laughs> You were a close second. You were a close second. Okay. But, uh, we can't run out of time. You're forgiven. All right. And uh, what, what kind of, is it okay to ask what kind of law you practice? Yeah, um, I have kind of two practices. I'm in private practice with a, a mid-sized firm here in the West, and uh, I do a lot of enforcement work, uh, which is where I come into contact with a lot of the uh, individuals that we're going to talk about today. And uh, that's about 50% of my practice. And then my okay. other hat is, is environmental law. Okay. Now, when I when I think uh, in I hear enforcement, I think like that's a hockey term. Like a... Yeah, I'm kind of a goon. <laughs> <laughs> Into the corners, like to get my elbows up a little bit. You do pass still have the... most of my teeth, though. So <laughs> you have too much teeth to be a real real enforcer. But yeah, yeah. Most of my clients are actually municipalities. So when I talk about enforcement, we're talking about. Uh, uh, bylaws, or what I think in the in the states, I think they refer to them as code and ordinance type of uh, enforcement, safety codes, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah, and I guess with the uh, so the oil industry, especially with um, um, oil sands, right? I mean, there's always kind of environmental concerns there. There's a few. Okay. Allegedly, you know, I think you know, obviously, you guys are blowing them a little bit out of proportion, but uh, right, okay. that's a different uh, conspiracy podcast. Yeah, I mean the shale, the shale <laughs> gas, and I guess the whole uh, yeah, or the oil sands. Uh, let's not even get into that because, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but um, now, and the I guess kind of the uh, the parallels with maybe Texas and uh, Alberta, and Alberta sort of it's right up along like Montana and stuff like that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Montana. Yeah, so there's, there's kind, of, and this is where we're driving at this conspiracy thing. When you think, when you think people in Montana, you think, um, is that a mailman or that's probably really a stormtrooper for the New World Order? That's kind of how all Montana people think, right? <laughs> so I've been led to believe, but yeah. uh, don't, don't call uh, me. Yeah. Anything. So, so your conspiracy is. My conspiracy is uh, well, in Canada, it tends to be the freeman on the land. Okay. Uh, in the states, it's more of a the sovereign citizen movement, and, and I'm going to talk about both kind of interchangeably because their their core beliefs uh, are basically the same. It's just that uh, the Freeman is kind of a it's more of a uh, Canada slash Commonwealth uh, term, and sovereign citizen kind of comes out of the states more than uh, than anywhere else. They are uh, interesting to say the least. Okay, and uh, so. Um, I mean, what's when I hear sovereign citizen or free men, I, I my mind goes to like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> like militia, and like Michigan militia types, as well as um, identity Christians. All that whole is that kind of the, the whole ball of wax. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's certainly the the, uh, the origin of them. Uh, they uh, a lot of their beliefs have evolved from uh, right back to uh, posse comitatus, which isn't a dirty term, by the way. I looked it up. So. <laughs> But the Posse Comitatus movement, and uh, and then uh, Identity Christian, and uh, the Redemptionist movement out of the United States, and uh, just to sort of give you a bit of a background on that, the Posse Comitatus is sort of this power of the county movement, which took the uh, position that the only legitimate form of government was kind of at that really low level, that that county level of government, and that basically everything else. 
uh, every other form of government was illegitimate. And there was some pretty strong uh, fundamentalist Christian and racist, uh, you know, white supremacist overtones to that movement. But they're sort of the the they're the original spark for what evolved into the sovereign citizen and, and, and Freeman movement. And then from from them, you sort of get this redemptionist movement, which kind of adds yet another layer to the underlying conspiracy theory. And the redemptionists sort of believe that, uh, well, it, it kind of go back to the the abandonment of the gold standard mm-hmm. and uh, the idea that uh, this was, in fact, actually secretly just a bankruptcy of nations and that uh, corporate interests took over, which I think, you know, we can always we can put corporate interests in quotes and, and know who and which specific race we're, we're speaking of, I guess, if you want to put it in those terms. Uh, it's kind of code for, you know, international jury, I think, is, right, is yes, yes. you know, is really what's underlying there. We just don't want to say that. I think that's what it really comes down to. But the idea that that this corporate entity was created that was separate from your individual, you know, real human persona and that you could redeem that and, of course, get a whole bunch of money that was hidden behind that uh, that corporate persona. So that was your that was the kind of thumbnail sketch of the redemptionist movement. And that sort of sets the foundation. Also, what's kind of the timelines on this? Like, when does this... Because there's a whole... Well, I've seen some... uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to get you off there, Carl. I was just going to say, because, you know, I mean, uh, there's the whole survivalist movement kind of taking form in, like, the late 70s and early 80s, like... uh, So so that this whole... Yeah, when did these people sort of all gel together? Well, in some ways, I don't think you can even say they gel together. Um, They're... There's kind of a broad spectrum. They're they're, they're unified by some uh, some fundamental underlying beliefs, and certainly, uh, you know, that all goes back to the early '70s, I would say. And uh, and they've sort of come up through the '70s and '80s around the same time as we started seeing more of the survivalist militia type of mindset. They they tend to go hand in hand, but they're not you know they're not part and parcel of the same same kind of movement. There's a lot of overlap, but uh, and certainly you'll see uh, sort of redemptionist and sovereign citizen ideas that tie hardcore into the militia movement and into uh, white supremacy and, and Christian identity and things like that. But you can also find completely secular versions of it as well, although that's more rare. And, and, and frankly, you can even find sort of uh, black power uh, aspects of it as well. Okay. I guess uh, we, we've been sort of throwing that term Christian identity a lot. I don't even know if I've even covered that on my podcast. I guess uh, well, br- well, briefly, what is Christian identity? Briefly, I don't know. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Well, <laughs> it I, isn't actually something I've looked into in a great oh, amount of detail, to be honest. Okay, yeah. Well, as far as I can understand, uh, Christian identity is kind of the idea that um, uh, you know, kind of like a white supremacist idea of you know, Christianity that uh, you know, because people are always so like, well, you worship Jesus, but Jesus was kind of like a dark-skinned Jewish guy. Uh, how can you be against black people and Jews? And and you know, and they would sort of argue, no, 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 no. You know, white people were the original Jews, and then the Jews we think of today are kind of imposters, and you know, that that that's kind of the the their, the way they kind of rationalize it. So, isn't there a presidential candidate who believes that? Oh, um. Well, wasn't Mitt Romney? Doesn't Mitt Romney? I, I've been sort of, you know, just I catch a little bit here and there on television. There's something going on down south. Yeah, well, so I think one of the politicians he was speaking to um, this weird ass version of American history. Uh, you know, oh, like uh, yeah, 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 like I don't know, like um, 
um, oh, I, 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 I can't, or the, the 5,000, was that the 5,000 year history or, or something like that, where, yeah, sort of like the constitution was kind of written by, you know, the, one of the lost tribes of Israel. Like, this is weird whole alternative history, like straight line from you know, the Old Testament to, you know, the American constitution, da, 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 you know, yeah. Oh, that's probably why you need to use seer stones to read the U.S. Constitution when you're in, yes. in Washington there. Yeah. Right. So, and this term posse comitatus. Now, I, I mean, when I hear that, I, isn't that like isn't that sort of used in, in like what the government, you know, you know, like can the government sort of seize your land or, you know, when you the army comes calling, can they just bust down your door and say, hey, we're sleeping here tonight? Like what, what, is, what does that mean exactly, posse comitatus? Well, that, that's that's I think you've kind of nailed at least from my perspective, and and, and in fairness, I haven't really gone into posse comitatus too much either. It's it's a fairly American concept. I uh, when I when I was originally looking into uh, to Freeman on the land and the sovereign citizens, I uh, I came across these concepts and looked you know looked at them as sort of a basic uh, just to get a basic understanding of where these guys are coming from. But I didn't dig too much into it to be honest, Carl. Uh, but it is my understanding that it is an American concept that relates to the power of the the state to do things such as you know form up um, parties of individuals to you know, to exercise uh, um, state power or, or counter level power and and I think you're right I think it does go into the ability of the state to uh, to sort of usurp certain aspects of your rights on a temporary basis including property rights. Right. Right. But yeah. I, I'm well, sure that somebody out there will correct us if we're wrong. Right, yeah. Well, I think it, too, is if it's coming back to me, it's like the idea that, you know, the army doesn't have the power of arrest. You know, that is that doesn't – except in, I think, maybe the worst possible times, like under martial law or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing, I would guess, then they might sort of extend that to go, well, therefore, you know, the, our, you know, the federal government, the whole federal level of government is under this posse comitatus and they don't have these rights and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, they they might sort of run hog wild with that. Hey, it works for me. Well, I'm 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 just guessing, but uh, yeah, okay, okay. So so because uh, because you you emailed me about this after I did the whole thing about uh, uh, you know income tax being unconstitutional uh, and uh, and there's this whole interesting thing where it's sort of like you know people will stand up and go no income tax is unconstitutional and then you go well no there's like you know. 18 different cases that have been tried along these lines and the government, you know, the courts have always ruled against this idea. So, you know, after, you know, 18 cases have pretty much decided this, like, what is your, don't you have any new argument? Is that kind of what I'm imagining these, these, these freemen and these sovereign citizens, you know, they, they, they must sort of, point to certain aspects of law and say, hey, you know, we have these, we can be free citizens, and then there's, this has been tested in court, I would imagine. Yeah, it actually, that's exactly right, and it's, you know, it's the, it's the concept of, uh, you know, never let the facts and, you know, judicial rulings get in the way of a good idea. Right, yes. And, uh, you know, it, 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 this is such a classic example of a conspiracy theory, you know, you have revisionist history and secret knowledge and, you know, any case law that uh, that demonstrates that your legal arguments and your, you know, your sovereign arguments are wrong is just proof of the conspiracy or proof that you didn't cast the spell correctly, really, I think, <laughs> is what it comes down to. And that's a term I, I've used a lot in, in talking to people like my clients and others about 
understanding the mindset of, of a freeman or a sovereign citizen and that it really is it is magical thinking, of course, and it's, it, they really are, in a sense, trying to cast a spell. And, and there's a recent case, actually, that came out of the Alberta courts where the judge um, uses exactly the same language. And in fact, I think when you read the case, you realize the judge also spends a fair amount of time on the JREF forums. Wow. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually, it's very, uh, it's something I wanted to talk a little bit sort of later on to the, into the uh, yeah, sure. into this uh, interview. But, um, it, no, I think it's, it's, it's a great example of the court really trying to, really try to make a point of knocking down each argument that they raise. Uh, in fact, going into arguments that weren't even raised in the particular case. And uh, and showing, you know, it's a really good example of critical thinking by the court. And uh, it's an excellent, unfortunately, it's a 156-page case. So uh, you're getting my thumbnail skim of it because I'm still working my way through it. But There, there, um, is, there is something just kind of beautiful when you kind of read a, you know, a, a ruling and 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 the the courts just get it you know it's like the um um in the case of like the you know the intelligent design um yeah. and and i also read the the ruling for uh what was her name deborah lipstadt or something she was being sued by that uh that nazi uh apologist guy in england who um he he sort of wrote a, a book and then she wrote a book about you know denying the holocaust right. basically called him a holocaust denier and then he sort of cheekily you know sued her in england because you know the, their 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 libel laws and and yeah. uh and then the judge just basically said you know someone that hangs around with holocaust deniers and <laughs> and kind of uh rewrites the history is probably a holocaust denier so yeah totally backfired on him I'm not sure what the Latin is, but I think it is the walks like a dock argument. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so was this, was this 156 page ruling or whatever? Was that kind of uh, some really beautiful or? It was. It's, um, like I said, it's quite a slog because, uh, the, the judge takes a lot of time going through each of the arguments and, and frankly aims, aims a few of his comments directly at the gurus that, that uh, as he points out, make a lot of money selling these ideas, or try to make a lot of money selling these ideas, and, uh, and, uh, and, he, and he knocks them down, he knocks them down very well. And it's unfortunate that part of his intent is to educate the public, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it's, it's not going to do that for the simple reason that those who have who've drank the Kool-Aid aren't all that willing to cough it back up, and they're, they're going to ignore this. And in fact, there's already... Video is showing up on YouTube by certain gurus, pointing out that the, of course the judge is working to his best interest because you know he's part of the system and there's a lot of money to be made. Right. And, but uh, yeah, for the rest of us, it's actually it's more going to it's going to be more of a tool for police and lawyers like myself and uh, crown prosecutors and and judges to have a uh, have mechanisms for understanding what it is that they're receiving when they see the documents that come in from these guys. And there's a lot of documents that come in from these guys. Oh. And then how to respond to them. Okay. So, so, so these guys, I mean, these guys are everything from, um, if they just don't want to pay their taxes or their parking fines up to, they want to, you know, they want to turn their farms into armed bunkers or something. Yeah. Well, the full, the full gamut. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you look at its core, it's not, it's easy to understand where it comes from. And I guess we've kind of got ahead of ourselves a bit that we haven't okay. really defined what we're talking okay. about. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it really comes from this sense of loss of control. Um, you know, I think every one of us who's had to pay taxes, especially when you realize you didn't pay enough and they want more, 
or who's <laughs> sure that he came to a three second stop, but actually apparently rolled through the stop sign at the empty intersection at one thirty in the morning with a parking ticket to wonder why why does it seem so arbitrary and why does this seem like it's frankly just a big cash grab? And so this the, the sovereign citizen Freeman movement really provides some very compelling easy answers to to why it seems like everything's out of control and why money seems to drive everything uh, in in you know, in in the face of freedom and, or sorry, at the expense of freedom. And it's really, I think, not surprising that, at least in Canada, the Freeman movement has really exploded since about 2008, um, which is really when we started seeing even, you know, the debt crisis even here in Canada. Uh, we had a huge boom, especially out west, and then suddenly there's a crash, there's a lot of debt, and suddenly people are saying, well, you know, none of this jet debt's legitimate anyways. Right, yes. <laughs> so again, we're kind of ahead of ourselves here a bit. But. Right, yeah. I mean, coming back to sort of the income taxes, uh, illegal people, I think there, there was one really kind of cheeky judge ruling where he just sort of notes that, you know, that, um, you, you, you know, when you really stand to benefit from income tax being illegal, you know, how, how, um, how kind of easy it is to sort of, uh, see the truths of your arguments kind, kind of, kind of thing. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So these people definitely it, it's very clear to them, isn't it? No, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a there's a major unstated premise behind all of their beliefs. And that comes down to the idea that at some point in history, all all governments basically lost their legitimacy and became corporations. And then everything that they argue flows from that. Uh, of course, when you go back and say, well, OK, where's the evidence of that? Well, it's out there. This, you know, I've heard it and I've seen it, and surely that's what this means when I read this cherry-picked case or this cherry-picked piece of legislation from the 1920s, and uh, it just fits fits mm-hmm. with what I want to believe. So, right. you know, it, it, you don't need any more proof from that. And frankly, there would be proof, but they are hiding it from us. So, so what what are some of the actual arguments they sort of use to, you know, that that they that they are, you know are not subject to any kind of you know federal intrusions or uh, do some of these people even say that okay my farm is its own sovereign nation is do they take oh, it to I, that level yeah certainly you don't see as much of that here in canada that that's much more associated with the sovereign citizen movement in the states okay. but uh, certainly that's an aspect of it the idea that uh, my property is sovereign territory um, but sovereignty in the in the Freeman movement is more my person is sovereign. My and well, actually, I shouldn't say person. They get uh, one of the big things about this movement, about this sort of belief system, is words don't mean what we think they mean, which is also typical of conspiracy theories. Um, and that and the word person to them does not refer to you and me as an individual flesh and blood human being. Uh, it refers to a corporate creature. But uh, yeah, the sovereignty that principally they talk about is is personal sovereignty but it does extend into sovereign authority over my real and personal property my land my house and uh, and my right to protect it to uh, to the nth degree with as much as you know in certain circumstances lethal force if i feel necessary but right yeah um, I mean, I think to, to understand sort of where they're coming from, it's, it's used to have a, useful to have a bit of an understanding of, of what a freeman is, what do they define themselves are. And I, I define them sort of as a, as a collection of individuals who, through sort of revisionist historical beliefs and misinterpretation and, and cherry-picking of law, the Constitution, and statutes from other jurisdictions, including the U.S., even up here in Canada, they refer to American legislation, American Constitution. Right. And then, in largely by liberal sprinkling of wishful thinking, 
believe that they can and that they have withdrawn their consent to be governed uh, and that they are living as sovereign or free individuals. And, and one of the gurus of the movement up here, a fellow by the name of Robert Menard, who is all over the Internet and all over YouTube, and uh, frankly, is a really good speaker. He's a former street comedian, which I think probably tells you a lot about the origins of this movement. Uh, in fact, one might argue that he's still... By and large, a street comedian. But, <laughs> was, he, uh, was, he, was he ever a rhino? Uh, I would think so, but I, I mean, I want to believe that, to be honest. Okay. That would, that would be member of the Canadian Rhinoceros Party, which was sort of a, a, a satirical political party that almost got real members of Parliament <laughs> elected. It came dangerously close a couple of times. Indeed. Yeah. He, he defines a sovereign or a freeman or a sovereign citizen as a human being in a common law jurisdiction who has revoked his consent to be governed and represented and therefore is not subject to any statutory obligations, sorry, obligations, restraints, restrictions, bylaws, orders, or anything like that. And that's a quote right from him in uh, one of his web videos called a, The Magnificent Deception. And he claims that he has proven numbers of times that he is a freeman. Of course, it's all anecdotal. He's never ever demonstrated that anybody other than himself recognized himself as free and sovereign. But but there you go. And for for two hundred and fifty dollars a package, he will show you how to be sovereign as well. <laughs> you know the um, what was it the um, uh, there was some some guy uh, he's sort of claiming like you know Tea Party guy or something. He's like, wow, well, you know when I was you know I was poor, I was on like uh, welfare and food stamps, and nobody helped me. <laughs> And it's like, uh, wait, what about the, the, you know, the welfare and the food stamps? Like, they're, what about the social safety net? What do you mean nobody helped you? It, it was there, you know. Do these so the, the, these people who claim to be, you know, uh, withdraw the, you know, the, the consent to be ruled? Do they? I mean, do they use public plumbing and roads and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely, Carl. I mean, it's there for their use. It's, uh, <laughs> It's just that somebody else is supposed to pay for it. Right, okay. You know, and, you know at its heart, it, it, it's, it, it's misguided, but it's got honorable intentions. Okay. It's extremely misguided. In its practical application, it's really largely about, I don't want to pay my debts, and I don't want to pay my parking tickets. <laughs> I'd like to say it was much more elaborate and glamorous than that, that these are people carving back fundamental freedoms you know, uh, against the man, but the man is largely the police officer trying to give them a ticket, mm -hmm. the judge trying to get them to admit that they were the person in the handicap zone at the Walmart, and, uh, and, yeah. uh, and the bank saying, you know, you borrowed the 10 grand, you kind of have to pay it back now. Exactly. It's, it, it, it's also like the, uh, was it, you know, the men's right movement, men's rights movements. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap actually between I, I, this yeah. and men's rights movements, yeah, fact, especially on matrimonial, uh, well on, on child support and, uh, and matrimonial property divisions. Yeah, exactly. and in fact, the, uh, the case I was referring to earlier, Mead and Mead is a, it's a matrimonial case in which, uh, well, it's kind of novel, and again, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but uh, his solution to all the debt that he had to his uh, spouse was to help her tap into his secret bank account uh, and give her 50%, which actually very generous uh, settlement proposal because 50% would have been um, $500 million. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm wrong. That would have been 50, $50 billion with a B, actually. 
which is not a bad settlement if you can get it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I got to think if they had a lawyer on 25% contingency, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> kind of wish I had that case. So. Did, did, he, did he win? He did not, Carl. <laughs> But you know, again, it, it kind of helps, I guess, if we sort of explain their 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 foundational beliefs, so you can sort of get to the point where you understand why somebody would be arguing in front of a court that you know there's a fund out there with a hundred billion dollars in it. And and this is where the, the the Freeman and the sovereign citizen movement are, are effectively the same, and it's this idea that um, well, we talked about their background, but it, it's the idea that. Um, First and foremost, that there's a straw man out there that um, people are held as collateral for the debt of of government, and that, and governments are are really actually corporations. And this goes back to, um, like I said, Posse Comitatus and the Redemptionist movement. And in Canada, it goes back to a book written by a, a woman by the name of Mary Elizabeth Croft, um, and that's Elizabeth. With a colon and then the word Croft. That's also very typical of, of Freeman and Sovereign, uh, weird spelling of their name. Wow. Uh, I tend to call her Mary Elizabeth Colon Croft because <laughs> laugh, but uh, <laughs> she wrote a, a book and it's got a rather understated title called How I Clobbered Every Bureaucratic Cash Confiscatory Agency Known to Man, a Spiritual Economics Book on Money and Remembering Who You Are. Subtle. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And uh, surprisingly, she hasn't been able to find a major publisher for that. So it's uh, available online, self-published. And she really seems to be kind of the origin in Canada of what became the, the Freeman movement. And, and the Freeman on the land, though, is a, is a concept that seems to have been coined at least by this Robert Menard, who's a big proponent of Mary, Mary Elizabeth Colin Croft. And that in there, they argue drawing back on the sovereign movement and, and other uh, precursors that back when the gold standard was was abandoned by uh, by the world economies um, what that was in fact was was a it was an act of bankruptcy and international corporations were created um, that took over and uh, and citizens became the collateral for the debts so when you were, were born, Carl, when I was born, uh, our first thing our parents did was they uh, they registered us as live births uh, with our long-form birth certificates and uh, and uh, got a birth certificate. And uh, sovereign citizens and freemen believe that that birth certificate either is evidence of the creation of a corporate version of yourself, your person, which is separate from you as a flesh and blood human being, which then becomes the... Either trustee, it depends on, on which version you're looking at, either the trustee of or the beneficiary of a, uh, an account of money, um, which then is used as collateral for, for debt. And uh, what's more important, though, is that because these, these are all corporations now, that there are no legitimate governments anymore, uh, all law is contractual law. So the corporation is contractually bound. You, the corporation, Carl Mamer, without any funny spelling or punctuation, uh, is uh, is a corporate entity that is contractually bound to Canada, the the corporation, or you know U.S. as a corporation, um, and that you have this contractual obligation. You've consented to be bound by statutes and acts and uh, codes and ordinances and bylaws, and uh, because it's consensual, you can withdraw it. 
which is what they do. <laughs> they withdraw it. So they have this straw man, as they refer to it, in a little bit of a different way than we do as, as skeptics. But um, they believe that there's this straw man out there and that it, they're only connected to the straw man by, by acts of joinder, which is a joinder is a legal term, which they use, like most legal terms, completely out of context and argue that they, if they can sever that joinder, then they can reestablish their own personal sovereignty as a human being, which is separate from a person, which is really a corporation. And uh, what's more is they also take further steps, in addition to severing the right to be governed, or severing the obligation to be governed, they can access this money, this uh, sort of get some cash for free scheme right, that, right. They, that they have. So that's you know that's the first fundamental concept is the idea that there is the natural flesh and blood human being out there and uh, and then the uh, the person and whenever they say person they are not referring to themselves they're referring to this corporate entity and then the second sort of foundation that they have is this hierarchy of law based uh, at the top with god and then below that directly below that because of the bible largely although you know there are flavors there's a moorish version and there's there's a sort of a black power version, and there's there's certainly people out there who have a very secularist approach to it, but largely it tends to be very Christian in its undertones. And so you've got God, and then directly below that, through the Bible in the biblical law, you've got mankind, and then you've got government below that, and then below that you've got acts and statutes and bylaws of government, and then you've got below that level you've got persons, which of course are these corporate entities. And so when you insert into that hierarchy, the fact that the government level went bankrupt, then everything below that becomes, in their minds, illegitimate, but for these contracts that they're foisted on them. So, to them, really, there's only God's law to follow, this fundamental law, or this maximus law that they, that they say is out there. And uh, everything else is, frankly, just consensual. And uh, basically, they say, look, all we have to do is do no harm, which is a good concept, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't damage anybody else's property, also very good. And uh, don't use fraud or mischief in your contracts. And great, so far that's all great. But unfortunately, how that's interpreted is entirely up to them. And beyond that, nothing else is binding, of course. So, And they refer often to that as being the common law. Uh, and they have a very warped view of what common law actually means. Uh, you, when you talk to a lawyer like myself or my American colleagues, uh, the attorneys to the South, we're going to refer to common law as fundamentally meaning judge-made law. Uh, to them, common law is more fundamental than that. It's, uh, it's this sort of law from upon high, from God to man. And <laughs> can, you, can you amend anything God wrote in the Bible? Well, well, as we know, they do that all the time. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. divorce thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, it, it, to a great extent, their their position is is that this is a fundament. These are fundamental rules. Everything else, though, is actually just is just commercial uh, contractual obligations. Things like statutes; those are commerce documents. Bylaws, commerce documents. And uh, and from there it's right down the rabbit hole and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. So, well, is it the, the whole <laughs> Citizens United thing that made corporations persons? I mean, that must have just, uh, you know, see, we told you so. Did did, did that have any effect on the? Uh... Oh, certainly. I mean, and and even you know, even in Canada and in, in Commonwealth countries, 
the corporation as a legal person is well established. Our statutes commonly define person as including corporations. Of course, this all just feeds right back into the conspiracy. Well, clearly, we're we're legislating it. Corporations are creating statutes, which refer back to them as being corporate, you know, persons as being corporations. So, uh, you know, it, it just it's cyclical. And look, you can just see the tracks. You know, they, uh, the rest of us are sheeple, and we don't see it, but they do. Now, now this this whole do no harm um, uh, uh, sort of philosophy there is it, it it rarely actually they don't really quite follow that, or some some of them don't quite follow that because it's like um, you know I'm always sort of thinking like you know I mean other than nine eleven that there are very few acts of foreign terrorism on American soil, whereas you know most of the, the people being killed in acts of terrorism, political terrorism, are, are, are these kinds of people, aren't they? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and his name escapes me. Uh, Terry Nichols, I think it is? Yeah, Terry Nichols the, the, and uh, the yeah. Oklahoma bombing, right? Yeah, exactly. I uh, was a big proponent of the soft citizen movement. So uh, I guess it's doing no harm unless you have uh, everybody else massively outgunned. Right, yeah. And there was a fairly recent one, like a father and son team. Went yeah, actually, um, that's right. And I had, I actually had their name at my fingertip a minute ago. But um, hang on, I have it here. Oh, uh, Jerry and Joseph Kane. Actually, that was made. That's two years ago now. Right. Yeah. It was like a cop. A couple of cops pulled them over for speeding, and they whipped out AK forty sevens and just started blasting away at the cops or something. They uh, they killed two officers actually. Right, yeah. This is- and, uh, and they wounded two others before they themselves were stopped and then uh, gunned down. Uh, and uh, the Canes were, were gurus of the sovereign citizen movement in the States, or, or one of a number out there uh, traveling the country, making money, selling these ideas. And, uh, but more recently, in August of, uh, of this year, there were two, uh, I think it was in Louisiana, there were two sheriff's uh, deputies killed, and two others that were uh, were also seriously injured in, a, in, a, in an ambush that happened. And uh, once again, the uh, the suspects in that were linked to sovereign citizen movement. And then, uh, actually, in Alaska uh, this year, also in August of this year, a uh, couple by the name of the Vernons, uh, Lonnie and Karen Vernon, who uh, are self-identified sovereign citizens, uh, pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. They uh, decided that the best way to do no harm, I guess, would be to uh, to plot to kill a federal uh, court judge, his daughter, and uh, his grandkids. Right, yeah. uh, he ruled against them in a uh, tax-based uh, piece of litigation. They lost their home, as I understand it, from uh, from a federal judgment uh, stemming, uh, sorry, stemming from their uh, their beliefs on whether they had to pay income tax or not. I mean, there, there are some places like, such like Montana, where you know that these things are really uh, there's a big concentration of these people. Where yeah, just like, I mean, like you know, parking enforcement officers suddenly find themselves either actually killed or or you know or or, or target of like you know death threats and stuff like that because people they they just sort of go. They don't see them as parking enforcement officers, right? As I sort of alluded to earlier on, that they are, you know, they are government stormtroopers and 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 deserve death. No, absolutely, and that's that's one of the biggest problems I face in my practice is the is the risk that uh, that municipal enforcement officers face. 
as a consequence. They're um, going back to sort of this concept that they define terms differently than the rest of us. Um, they see a difference between a peace officer and uh, police officers or peace officers and law enforcement personnel. Um, you know, distinctions that, frankly, you and I would 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 be lost on you and I. Yeah. Saying, well, these people work for us. And those who've forgotten that they're supposed to work for us work for the corporations, and therefore they're not legitimate. And some down in the states, certainly uh, there have been. They've gone as far as uh, to declare their own little townships, um, somebody's piece of land, and to uh, establish their own courts, establish their own peace officers. And uh, in fact, I think there was a fellow who declared himself a common law sheriff who managed to get himself shot and killed by a real sheriff on a track a few years ago. Right. Um, and they have gone as far as attempted to uh, to arrest and detain and try uh, public officials. That that you know that's not you know, I, and I don't want to suggest that all sovereign citizens are, are are like that. And I think to a great extent, most of the people who who call themselves sovereign citizens or freemen are practicing at a low level. Um, you know, I we're not seeing a lot of them going to jail for tax evasion, and we're not seeing a lot of houses go up for sale for non-payment of property taxes. So. They must be paying their taxes. They would probably argue that they're not because they're sovereign and nobody's coming after them, but that's not the reality of it. So I think they're aiming at the the low-hanging fruit, frustrating police officers on parking offenses and, and dealing with meter meter personnel, you know, harassing them with their sovereign beliefs, but not going all the way up as far as, say, refusing to pay their federal income tax. And uh, although, you know, it, that does happen on occasion, I think by and large, most of them are not at that level. Right. And they're not, I would say, they're not necessarily all dangerous. I think there's a, there's always a risk and uh, because this this type of conspiracy really does find itself as being very attractive to people who already have, you know, mental imbalance or a very, very anti-government stance, a lot of anger, that kind of thing. And we, we certainly see that. But um, the freemen tend to be a lot calmer. And uh, I think, in fact, it's one of the things that they hold out as being the difference between themselves and, say, the U.S. version of, of their beliefs. Um, but I, I think, frankly, we, we face a risk here of seeing a, an increase in violence. I think we just sort of a little bit behind. We, uh, we seem to be about 10 years behind the U.S. on on social issues like this, and so I think it's only a matter of time before we uh, we start seeing uh, sovereign citizen-based violence against police officers up here. Wow, and hence maybe that judge was tr- that judge's ruling trying to get, give people tools or even people on on message boards, you know, ar- you know, tools <laughs> to argue or something like that. I mean, because it, it, it's it's kind of nice to be able to say go to the um, uh, you know the 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 judge's ruling on the intelligent design trial and, and just, you know, pull quotes out of that. Or, um, you know, one, one thing I like to do is when, you know, when, um, uh, you know, sort of creationists sort of argue like, you know, there's a big conspiracy in science to sort of deny their, uh, you know, let, let them publish in scientific journals and stuff like that. It was the, um, uh, one, one of the, one of the big sort of, uh, creation science trials in the states where, where the judges like, they're, you know, the creationists were trying to argue that, you know, we're being frozen out of the journals, we're having our papers rejected. And so the judge is like, well, what papers? And they're like, um, uh, well, they're being rejected. Yeah, but do you have any papers? Do you have any any examples? And they're like, well, no. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, you, you would think in like here is their big chance to you know argue this. You know, like they that they would they would 
let's bring it, you know, let's have all the evidence of how we're being systematically frozen out of the scientific process, and, and they have nothing, right? So it, it's kind of fun to just whip that quote out, you know, so. Is that Dover? Uh, so not Dover. This this was back in the uh, 80s. Um, uh, was it Arkansas? Was it Arkansas or Kansas or something like that? Right. The, the, it was sort of a state-level one before it kind of went to the uh, Supreme Court. Um, but this this kind of sort of set it up for the for the ultimate Supreme Court ruling against creation science. Um, yeah, oh, it, it, it was it was it was it's very very sort of fascinating case. It's like, um, you know, was it Gould? He was it Stephen Stephen Jay Gould? He 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 testified at that trial, and and uh, it, yeah, it, it's this really really fascinating trial to sort of read. But unfortunately, like a lot of the um, like a lot of the transcripts and stuff like that were were quote lost. You know, it's uh, uh-huh. yeah yeah. You can't see this, but I'm touching my nose in an annoying manner. Yeah, so I don't know because it's, it's like I don't know if it was intentional, but because it was like there was just so much good stuff there that that uh, you know that um, um, you know that maybe somebody decided, ooh, let's make this all go away. I, I don't know, just that's my own little conspiracy. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, hey, no, everybody's entitled to one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have to that involved Justin Trudeau, but that's. <laughs> did they did they shave that crap off his face? No, no, it's just ridiculous. God, that's, that's, what are you guys thinking out there? I don't, I, don't blame me. <laughs> See, this is the Eastern Canada, Western Canada divide. It's playing out right here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where, where were we on this? Okay, so right, so the, the, you were alluding to that the judge was spending sort of time on the J reform or something like that. Uh, he well, he gave a number of. Um, part of what he did in his decision was he laid out some uh, some basis. Let's start. Let me take a step back here. He knocked down their arguments. He he looked at them from a number of different angles and said, "Well, here's the real law on this, and here's some actual cases where your arguments have already been tried and they have not been successful throughout Canada, including actually tying some of the gurus to cases, prominent cases where the gurus themselves have not been successful." Then he went on to say, "And here's some other useful references." And I found that interesting that amongst the references that he that he references in there are the Quatlu's website, Kwatlu is the Cyber Museum of Scams. This is right in the judgment. Wow. And, uh, and JREF and the JREF forums. Um, he also makes reference to uh, demon-haunted belief systems, so I, I think he's well-read in, in the skeptical literature. That's, that's my hope, anyways. That's my conspiracy. Wow, that's cool. To get, to what, is, it, is, it okay, is it Can you get a judge to like a, 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 a skepticamp type thing, or are they allowed to Talk about things like that, or you know, I think they could. And I, in fact, I, I, the thought has crossed my mind. In, in fact, that uh, this is Justice Rook, and if anybody wants to look up the case, it's uh, it's Meads and Meads. It's M E A D S, um, and I don't have a citation for it, but you c- it's all over the internet right now, okay. including we have a website in Canada called Canly, C A N L I I. Uh, which is an aggregator created by the law societies across the, the uh, country of statutes and regulations and judicial decisions. And so if you go into Alberta, uh, Canley, Alberta, and search Meads and Meads, uh, the, the case will actually come up, and it's there for anyone who uh, wants to spend a few hours reading a 156-page legal decision. Yeah, I, 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 but i got to recommend sometimes, you know, do, 
you know, in some interesting cases, like actually read those legal decisions, like, uh, you know, dump it on your Kindle or something like that, because they're, they are really fascinating. You kind of got to get over like the beginning parts. Like it's just sort of a lot of like, uh, you know, where they're just sort of findings and stuff like that and get right into the, you know, the kind of the, the judgments and stuff. And, and they, they, they really are fascinating reads at times. Absolutely. In fact, you just described how I got through law school. Like <laughs> parts that looked like they were the deciding part. So, yeah. I was just going to say the evolution thing was uh, McLean uh, versus Arkansas. Was, ah, there we go. Uh, 19, right. 1981. We're handing notes forward to you as you're. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the first fundamental concept was this straw man idea. Um, and uh, it's it sort of something that comes out of this whole religious undertone that we, we, we see with these sort of law, maximus law or the fundamental law, common law of, you know, given on down from high, given down from on high. Uh, I think that's, you know, we, we see this sort of Christian undertone in both the sovereign citizen and the, uh, and the Freeman movement. But I think the real big difference between the sovereign citizen movement and the Freeman largely has to do with the kind of Christianity that's reflected in it. And I find that, and this is just my personal perspective on it, but the Freemans seem to be sort of a new agey group. Okay. There's a lot of peace, love, and, uh, you know, blessed greeting to you type of, uh, of dialogue. They, they go out of their way to try to be friendly and kind and just be educators to the misguided officials and politicians and what have you. And I find in the sovereign citizen side of things, it's much more sort of a hardcore, fundamentalist Christian mindset of, uh, you know, that and uh, the right to bear arms and get out of my ways. It, it seems to be more, it's, it's a bit more of a, uh, you know, you ever, you've seen the pictures of Republican Jesus? No. Oh, he's early. He's got beautiful, long, blonde hair. He's very, very Aryan. He's got great, great pecs, nice musculature. Uh, I think that he's there, you know, he's the king, a sovereign citizen in their minds. Okay. Whereas, uh, I think the, uh, I think the Jesus of the Freeman movement tends to be a bit more hippie-ish looking, so. Okay. Alright. Yeah. Um, now, it, it occurs to me if it was, let's say, like, you know, I don't know, someone proclaiming we're the, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood and then two members of the Muslim Brotherhood machine gunned a couple cops trying to pull them over, there would be there would be a massive, massive crackdown. And and whereas you know, this is this is my own conspiracy, whereas that 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 the these sort of groups have a lot of uh parallels with, you know, more mainstream sort of fundamentalist Christian or Republican uh Christianities, Republicans uh, uh Sorry, not all Republicans, but you know, some Republicans sort of sort, sort of uh, uh, voice them that um, you, you know there there's there isn't such a willingness to sort of crack down on these people to sort of go, uh, you know, well these you know like a, a no true Scotsman kind of thing, like well they're not really member, you know they're not really. Uh, uh, expressing our philosophy because you know they're shooting people like it, 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 what's your take on that yeah it's interesting i think i find, i don't think that a lot of i mean just to go to the american example i don't think that there's a lot of um even you know say in the republican party on the on the far right of the republican party that really feel an identity with these people because their own only connection where they their only shared connection probably is 
um, you know, the fundamental sanctity of the right to bear arms and, uh, you know, a strong belief in the sanctity of private property and the fundamental nature of, of uh, the Bible and, and, and the Ten Commandments. You know, the foundational belief in, the, you know, of these movements is that corporations, uh, that governments are corporations and governments are illegitimate. So I, you know, I, that's a big problem for, mm-hmm. for the Republican Party and uh, for their interests, and well, for the Democrats and their interests, for that matter. Uh, so I don't think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't think there's a lot of uh, common ground there, and I don't think there's a lot of um, interest in sort of just turning a blind eye to them. I, I think the reality is that, um, for the most part, they either don't amount to anything significant as a movement because they're so loosey goosey and. Uh, that's another legal term you can use that okay and uh and disorganized to some extent and and again because uh you know i think other than the hardcore ones a lot of people are are kind of cherry picking what part of the sovereign citizen movement they're actually going to buy into right you know the part that gets them out of the parking ticket or at least you know allows them to create havoc at the lower level in the uh, you know the county office but not you know not one that's going to get them in front of a federal income tax judge but um and I think you know in Canada, I think it's it's even more that case that uh, you know the freemen that go in front of the court and make an ass of themselves have a tendency to be found guilty or to spend some time uh, in court, you know, in jail for contempt of court. So they kind of get dealt with anyways. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of interesting that uh, yeah, at some level, it's like yeah, right. I might might waste my time in traffic court, but I don't really want to lose my house, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, wow. and now you 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 have to you sometimes have to help municipalities sort of deal with these kinds of people. Yeah, yeah, and, and more and more that I mean, I've I've been in the field that I'm in for about 14 years, and uh, I was aware of the sovereign citizen movement, um, you know, more from just literature and shared, you know shared document or pardon me shared. Um, um, Legal literature with you know with our southern neighbors back as far as about say ten or twelve years ago, but we weren't seeing a lot of it here. We would very occasionally see a sovereign citizen in Alberta, um, but really uh, Freeman started sort of showing up five or six years ago and uh, and have really exploded. So we're I'm dealing with them almost once a month right now, uh, and uh, yeah they they're uh, they're definitely a challenge for municipal well for any level of government but they they really do create havoc at the uh, the municipal level and the and the court level because of the uh, the papers that they will file and the positions that they will take and the rather weird way they of interpreting the law and the rights and the duties of the court that they uh, that they bring forward right yeah i mean any minutes ever sort of had to deal with you know debate somebody online like i don't know for some reason my hometown Windsor, um, you, you know, there's a couple articles in my hometown paper about, uh, you know, uh, you know, get your flu shot, and there's there's all these anti-vaccinationists, and 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 um, and it's a classic example where you know you're like, well, do you have any evidence that the flu vaccine is dangerous? And then there's all you know all the crap they'll post, and it it's it takes a while to sort of go through it and and what are they saying and where is this coming from and i could imagine the same thing with municipalities right suddenly they're hit with like a box full of crap and and they just can't sort of procedurally they just can't take that box of crap and throw it in the garbage they have to go through stuff and go i've never seen this before could be legit i don't know what do you you know is that what's going on 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, if you're a lay person, like a, somebody like myself who's legally trained can look at the document and say, okay, this is this is largely nonsense. It, it has the appearance of being written in English, mm-hmm. and it looks like it might be a legal document, but it's just a word salad of English and Latin phrases. I, you know, I... Uh, and a municipal official or a police department or, a, frankly, a court clerk who may not, uh, you know, who's not going to have as much experience, say, as a, as a lawyer or a judge, will look at these documents and say, well, what do we do with this? It, it looks like it might actually be something, and it seems to be claiming rights, and it seems to be imposing duties and obligations. And in fact, it actually has a requirement to respond to it, or we're faced with a with a debt. So what do we do? Oh, yeah, they, they, they're the kings of the Gish Gallop. Okay. <laughs> Written Gish Gallop, and they are the, uh, they are the kings of, of foisting demands. In fact, it, it, it's kind of funny. Everything that they argue is wrong with the world, uh, you know, the way corporations have imposed their will on, on us lowly citizens, um, they then exercise backwards and, uh, and impose, try to impose unilateral contracts on the courts and on municipal officials and police officers. It's, it's, you know, arguing that uh, they have a fundamental right to do so, which is, you know, frankly, just wrong at law. I mean, not even wrong to steal a uh, to steal a phrase, but um, yeah, and that, and of course, municipalities get bogged down with these documents, and they look at it, and they're not sure what they're supposed to do, and so you know, tie it, it it can become frustrating and and very time consuming. In the states, it's it's been even worse in that, in at least in some jurisdictions, as I understand it, it's it's much easier to register liens against property. So they will often do what they call paper terrorism, where they will they will file judgments and an attempt to enforce uh, alleged debts against public officials and they'll slander their title by registering document or registering caveats and interests and and liens against property and uh, forcing these people to go in there and knock them off and it became very frustrating and very time consuming and uh, you know which is why in some cases, frankly, I think that the freemen and sovereigns have been successful at the very low levels where somebody decides, you know what, it's probably easier to ignore this ticket or this, you know, to ignore this guy driving without a license plate tonight because I really don't need the hassle of dealing with the guy. Right, yeah. You know, and that's about the only place I think that they can ever say that they've been successful is uh, is frustrating low-level officials to the point where they basically say, fine, I won't, you know, you get a warning, I'm not dealing with you. Right. Especially the states too, where I mean, you know, a lot of the state governments have just been crippled by the by the crash, right? They, they just yeah. don't have they don't have the time or money to do. To no, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, these guys are very good at uh, tying up the courts' time and, and municipal and police and public officials' time. Right. As long as they're not blowing up pipelines at this point, right? So far, no. So far, well, uh, there. I think there was a guy up in Alaska that was planning to, to blow up a pipeline, okay. uh, but they uh, they caught him because he. Bragging about it, I think, on a forum. But uh, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. That's why when I'm on the uh, Skeptics Guide to the Universe forum, I try not to uh, to actually uh, put down any threats, or I keep them pretty veiled if I can. So, wow. The, uh, sorry, I, one of the documents that they uh, they will frequently drop on people are these notice of intent and claim of right documents, which can be well, they can be 30 or 40 pages long, some of them. And they are a perfect example of just written gish gallop and, and legal word salads. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, most municipal officials, when they receive them, get a little sort of sick feeling in their stomach, and they're not sure what they're <laughs> but, uh, 
I've gotten to the point now where I can skim them pretty quickly and see whether there's anything legitimate that we have to respond to and then just more or less file it under G for garbage. Okay. But that's that's their way of, of commencing the process of severing the uh, the flesh and blood human from the uh, from the citizen or the person um, in reestablishing their sovereignty. And what they will often do in that is they'll also include a fee schedule. And they will uh, say, here's the deal. You... Uh, I've copyrighted my name, so if you use my name in anything, you owe me a million dollars every time you do it. And uh, if you detain me for any reason, it's $100,000 an hour. Uh, so if you pull me over for speeding, it's $100,000 for every hour that I'm detained or required to deal with this ticket, etc. And they will send these documents out with – and they'll often do it in threes. And this kind of goes back into what the court was referring to as sort of their, their casting their spells and their magical thinking. And they'll send these documents out and say, if you don't respond to this, well, then you're accepting it. You have entered into a contract with me. And then once that happens and you don't respond, then I'm going to put you on notice that you owe me this debt. And then if you don't respond to that in 10 days, well, then I'm going to enforce this debt. Okay. And uh, it can get really, really frustrating after that. Is, is, that, is that kind of, you know, it's, it's almost sort of like, what do you call the, the click, click wrap agreement or something like kind of like you know by opening this envelope on this you know dvd you kind of agree to all of this or something like that is is, is that what they're trying to do um they probably think that's what they're trying to do okay. but, uh you know there's a pretty much there's a fundamental concept of law that you cannot unilaterally foist a contract onto somebody there has to be um a meeting of the minds okay uh, and uh i think it's uh the Latin phrase escapes me, but uh, there has to be a meeting of the minds. Both parties have to understand the contract, and they have to both come to the conclusion that they will enter this contract. And, of course, that's, that's the fundamental flaw that these guys argue is in place, and that's why they're not bound by they – can, they can withdraw their consent to be governed because they've had this contract foisted on them by their social insurance number and by their, their motor vehicle license and their insurance and their birth certificate, and they can – they can get out of that because it was unilaterally foisted on them. And then they turn around and attempt to unilaterally foist contracts onto the state and, uh, and, UN, uh, and don't, frankly, even seem to see the hypocrisy of it. Right, yeah. So, okay, okay yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. Social insurance number, that's, that's our version of the social, or social, the social security number. Yes, and uh, they believe that uh, in both the U.S. and the Canadian version of it, they believe that it is their employee number with the government because employees have to pay income tax. I'm still looking for that because uh, I can tell you, if I ever find anything that shows these guys are right, I'm, I'm becoming a Freeman because if I can get out of paying taxes, you don't, you don't pay, you don't pay uh, sales tax in Alberta, so what are you complaining about? I know. It's awesome. But that, that GST thing must have been a real, uh, real stinker. The GST? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're still not talking to you about that. Sorry, but what was the the horrible thing? Was it the Trudeau, the um, what was it the his Energy Act or something like that? Back in the yeah, I have to ask for that because if any, it still sets people off here. Oh yeah, let them freeze in the dark was the uh, Alberta's uh, line about. Uh, well, you could buy that bumper sticker actually. My neighbor when I moved, I moved here in '82. Right at. Uh, and that act came into force. Now, of course, I was a kid, so I wasn't really sure what was going on other than everybody was losing their shirts in their homes. Mm. 
But there was a lot of bumper stickers that said, let the eastern bastards freeze in the dark. Yeah. That was, I'm not too sure what that exactly was about, but I think it was, because uh, like, uh, resources are provincial under, per, provincial sort of rights, and, and then, of course, Alberta had the oil, and then Trudeau was trying to make it a, a, a like a federal resource uh, you know, or something? I, I, I think it was a, it was a distribution of the, uh, the proceeds, I think, mm. is what it to. You're asking them. I, I actually did study this many, many years ago and put it. Okay. Uh, I think I wrote the exam and then all the knowledge went out of my head. Like, okay. yeah, this is like this is really obscure for you know the the two like Canada files out there that are like, ooh, they're talking about some obscure Canadian politician in an obscure decade and some obscure law. Ooh, <laughs> subscribers for the reference to the National Energy Program. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, were you uh, were, were you in Edmonton when um, uh, the Gretzky's trade was announced? Oh yeah, it's Black Monday. Yes, I was there. Actually, I don't know if it was a Monday or not, but uh, yeah, I was. Um, I was in my teens, as I recall. Yeah. Oh, the worst the worst age, I guess, to be a if you're like a hockey fan, right? Or I cut my mullet that day. I was. It was like, <laughs> I heard it was like. It was Edmonton's 9-11, like, 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 literally, <laughs> like, people, offices emptied out, like, people just stopped working and just went home, like, the city just stopped. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, that might be a little disrespectful to refer to it as Edmonton's 9-11, but it was pretty bad. Yeah, right, yeah. It, uh, you know, uh, it was almost as comparable to an act of, you know, international terrorism, but, uh, but not <laughs> And time heals all wounds. So, yeah. So now you know, and we get it's, we get to make up for. It. Now we get to watch. We get to see scantily clad pictures of Gretzky's kid on the internet. So it's all good now. <laughs> yes, because his wife was uh, she's Playboy model. And, uh, uh, yeah, kind of a B movie actress, yeah, part yeah. gambler, I think. Yeah, I think she's a Playboy, but it's kind of like, well, wait, wait, but not okay for your daughter. <laughs> That's right. Okay, for mom, let's do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Mom can pose nude, but you can't post, you know, semi-naked pictures of yourself on uh, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Same rule I have in my house. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I didn't really ask you the Korean questions. Um, before I ask you the Korean questions, is there anything more you want to cover about the... Uh... Oh, well, you know, I, well, I mean, we could go for hours on these things. Um, uh, you know, not really. I mean, there's a couple things I think I just want to get out there. Yeah, yeah, okay. And this is just if you're ever if you're ever in court because you're paying a parking ticket or what have you, and uh, and you're in there and you think you're dealing, you think there's a sovereign citizen or a freeman in there, go watch because it's really entertaining. They uh, they believe that everything's governed by admiralty law, which is really fun, especially in Alberta, which uh, you know the nearest ocean is uh, well, how many thousands of kilometers away? Yeah, <laughs> we're in this landlocked province, and they're referring to admiralty law, and you know, and there's there's real well, there's lots of uh, that they draw on to show that we're under admiralty law, which of course is commercial law in their minds. First of all, it, there's the uh, the Code of Arms of Canada, which of course is is behind the judge in every superior court in the country. You know, it's what is it? Uh, you know, amare usque admare. You know, from sea to sea. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. See, there is proof number one. Admiralty <laughs> law. It's right on the crest. Uh, you know, and there's terms like citizenship. And, uh, you know, no. Oh, yes. Ownership. 
to the point where you will they will even do things like like for example the, I've seen this uh there's a YouTube video and and I've seen this before in court where uh they will frustrate a judge to a point where he will recess to sort of take a look at what they've handed him and to figure out whether there's anything here he has to deal with or he or she and uh, the judge will basically recess and uh and take a break and as soon as the judge leaves they will declare that they've taken well they'll 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 yell things like man overboard declare control of the court and dismiss the charges it's it's really entertaining and they will post these videos to the internet and claim success you know what they never show you of course is what happens a week later when the warrant gets issued and uh, they get hauled in under a failure to appear and uh, and then get thrown in the slammer for contempt of court um so there's that i just want to throw that out there and um Really, you know, that's there is no success that they can draw on. They can't point to any place where they've actually been successful. You know, there's a in Saskatchewan we had a case where a chiropractor um, wasn't paying her taxes on the basis that she was a freeman, no obligation. She had done everything that the gurus had suggested that she do, and uh, and she's now I think she has six months in jail for failure to pay taxes, which you know anyone else I would feel a little sorry for, but you know the fact that it was a chiropractor just kind of. Makes me chuckle to myself. So not only, not only are you making a living at quackery, but you also, uh, you know, living your life by quackery as well. I like that those people that are like, you know, um, you know, follow this practice and you won't die. And then the people die, and then they're like, well, uh, you know, so what you're saying is this practice doesn't let people live forever. And then it's like, well, no, 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 they were just doing it wrong. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. It's uh, And that's exactly where they go to. You know, and someone's unsuccessful, well, they didn't do it right. Or I didn't properly sever the joinder between my human self and my person, my corporate person. And uh, there's always an example. You know, and then, so, you know, where are their successes? Well, their successes largely are where they frustrated the court to the point where they granted temporary adjournment of the matter to look into an issue. Or they... Um, they, you know, they frustrate the police officer into giving them a warning rather than a ticket. You know, and I and I understand where that's coming from. If I was a police officer working on a highway late at night and I had some guy there talking about, you know, asking me all sorts of ridiculous questions that I couldn't answer, and I already had my quota, I'd probably say, you know what, you you go home and sleep that off and have a nice day. <laughs> but um, the only other thing I think I really wanted to get to, and and um, you know, it's like I say, you go down the rabbit hole, you can go for hours and hours on this stuff, but. Uh, I want to go back to this decision by Justice Rook and just I think he did a great job of taking the time to to go after the gish gallop and, and to provide an answer to almost everything that they raise. And it's uh, anyone who has to deal with them, I, I strongly recommend taking a look at, at his decision. And I think it's, you know, obviously it's it's Canadian focus, but it, it certainly draws on arguments that could go back to uh, to uh, that could have an application in the U.S. as well. But. At the end of the day, the judge basically directs a part of his decision right at the gurus and says, you know, you're making money off this. You're selling nonsense. And I find it remarkable that none of you seem to be rich. None of you seem to be successful. And, uh, you know, if, if this works and you don't have to pay taxes and you can get access to this fund of money, which is anywhere between 630000 and and $100 billion, depending on who you're speaking to, you know, if, if this works, why aren't you fabulously wealthy? And more to the point, why don't you actually indemnify these people? Why, sell your package to somebody and tell them that if it's not successful, you'll pay them back or you'll uh, you'll pay the, the money that they went after instead. 
And of course, none of them can do that. And uh, he also provides a really good checklist in that case of how to know when you're dealing with these guys. And uh, and uh, it's I, I strongly recommend taking a look at it and giving it a quick read. And there's lots of summaries of it on the okay. internet. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the, the, this rook guy sounds like you, you you gotta give him to like a skeptics in the pub or something like that. Absolutely, I uh, I'm not active in the skeptic group here in Calgary. But, uh, I'm hoping to. I've been like I said, I've only been here six months, and I I need to start having a social life here. But uh, okay. um, I hope that uh, if any of them are listening to this, that they'll think about getting him out because uh, I'd love to hear what he has to say about this. Wow. Okay, so uh, yeah, let me just yeah, the, so the, the little Korean questions. I guess I didn't didn't sort of ask. So, so how, can I ask how old you are? I am forty two. Forty two. Okay. And uh, are are you married? I am married. Okay. All right. With kids. Wow. Okay. And uh, um, how long have you been married? I have. Been <laughs> I shouldn't have told you how old I was. Sorry. Uh, two years. Two years. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, well, how many children do you have? Three children. Ooh, that's uh, that's unusual these days. Three children. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, becoming a bit of a rarity. Wow. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. And uh, and so you, and you used to live in Edmonton, and uh, you live in Calgary. Hmm, okay. Cool. Well, what 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 do you like better? Do you like Edmonton or Calgary? Oh, I have to be really careful answering that. Uh, okay. Nah, see, my son's probably going to listen to this, so I'm going to say I like both cities equally. I like Calgary better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was in both cities. I mean, Calgary just sort of briefly, but was in Edmonton for a few days. Went to the West Edmonton Mall. Awesome. Uh, you're sorry, no. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> the uh, what I like, what I, what I thought was weird about the West Edmonton Mall was, uh, yeah, we're both Canadians. We're just going to spend an hour apologizing to each other. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But after, because um, I was mentally dinging in my head every time I said sorry throughout this whole podcast. <laughs> It's like, it's, wow, is that going to be my, my, like, you know, my legacy, my little signature? Well, obviously, I'm referring to the Ask a Canadian podcast, where it's like, you know, ding! <laughs> I don't know. But um, the West Edmonton Mall, I don't know if it still has the title of the world's largest mall, but for a while it was the world's largest mall. And um, I went there thinking, like, you know, the world's largest mall probably has the world's largest gap and the world's largest club, Monaco, and it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. It has uh, probably the, well... Nah, I, I probably shouldn't say it. I'll just get sued in defamation in England. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. And probably world's creepiest people and what have you. But, uh, yeah, no. Not, not a pleasant place. And uh, the only time I ever go there anymore is, uh, frankly, when we have visitors who want to see the world's formerly biggest mall. Okay. Now, are you, so you're not, you're not that active in the skeptics movement. Do, do you go to TAM, the amazing meeting? Uh, I'd like to. I, I've I've wanted to actually. Um, I have a tough time explaining to my wife why I'm going on vacation to Vegas. <laughs> She'll be bored to tears. Well, she thinks it's actually just a cover. She thinks I made Tam up as an excuse to go carousing. When you say to her, "No, no, seriously, I'm actually going to go and listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about uh, you know how the universe might end," she's like, "Sure, you are." Sure. <laughs> Plans to go, actually. I've been planning to go since TAM 6, but okay. I'm still trying to get... Of course, it took me 10 years to go visit my brother in Toronto, so, you know, as long as it doesn't take me 10 years to get to TAM, I'm fine. Okay, all right. So, if you... Uh, I guess so the, the the two questions I kind of ask people then are, if if for some reason, you know, you are 
you go to like a skeptics in the pub or a skeptic camp or you wind up at some kind of skeptics event and someone's like, oh man, I really like that whole thing about those wacky people, you know, those Freeman people. Can I buy you something? What, 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 what could people buy for you? Oh, well, if it's, uh, if it's here in Canada, they could buy me a nice peaty single malt scotch. Okay. It's down. If I do get to a TAM, uh, buy me a nice bourbon. Wow. Okay. So not, do you drink beer or do you, you're more into the hard stuff? Uh, I do drink beer. Uh, I especially drank a lot out uh, when I was out your way last weekend because there's so much good beer in okay. Toronto. Okay. Alberta, have any good kind of microbrews? Or... Yeah, we have a few. Um, and then we've got a few that pretend to be microbrews. Okay. All right, uh, then. I don't drink a lot of Alberta beer. So. Oh, okay. And then, like I said, my final question was, so if you, uh, if, uh, you could be in a uh, science fiction or fantasy army based solely on you know, the, the, the cut of the uniform, what, uh, what fantasy or science fiction army would you join? Just because you, you think the uniform looks cool. Oh, I, uh, I got I to gotta wear that uh, Battlestar Galactica uniform. New series, new series uniform. All right. Which reminds me, did you see Argo? I, you know, I have not yet seen Argo. Okay. Did you? Yeah, I did. There, there's a there's a there's a little Battlestar Galactica uh, old series reference in there, which pleased yeah. me, I guess. <laughs> well, you and I are probably of similar ages, so we we may yeah. have fond memories of Oxy and yes, that show was so horrible. That show was just terrible. Let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> it not aged well. <sighs> All right then. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I'll let you go, Derek. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Okay, it was, it was a really good time, and, and hope uh, you know, hope maybe to see a Tam or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you have any other wacky conspiracies, uh, we almost touched on a couple other ones, and uh, yeah, come come on back. Oh, I'd be happy to. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot then. Take care. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.